This is a WPTF special event, a memorial celebration of the life of Barbara Hoffman Curtis, co-founder and wife of Curtis Media Group founder and chairman Donald W. Curtis. The broadcast originates from Edenton Street United Methodist Church in Raleigh. Our hymn of praise this morning is number 140, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Let us stand as we sing together.
be seated. Hear now these words of grace. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I hold the keys of hell and of death. Because I live, Jesus says, you shall live also. Friends, we have gathered together here today to praise God as we celebrate the life of our friend and our loved one, Barbara Hoffman Curtis. May God grant us grace in our time together this morning that in our pain we might find comfort, that in our sorrow we might find hope, and that in death we might find resurrection. Let us pray. Eternal God, you have shared with us the life of your servant, Barbara. Before she was ours, O Lord, she was yours. For all that Barbara has given us to make us what we are, for that part of her which lives and grows in each of us, and for her life that in your love will never end, we give you thanks, O Lord. As now we offer Barbara back into your arms, comfort us in our loneliness, strengthen us in our weakness, give us courage to face the future unafraid. Draw those of us who remain in this life closer to one another Make us faithful to serve one another and help us to know that peace and that joy which comes only from you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. As most of you know, Barbara had an incredibly robust devotional life. It made choosing the scriptures to share today a little difficult because we really could have read most of the Old Testament and the entirety of the New Testament. But we landed on five different selections, and I want you to hear them now. The first from the book of the prophet Isaiah. I'll be reading first from the 41st chapter. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine, for I am the Lord your God. You are precious and honored in my sight, and I love you. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Now these familiar words from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. 
Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now these words from Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. The next passage is from Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus in the third chapter. It really was the prayer that Barbara lifted over her entire family. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or even imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever 
endeavor. Finally, these comforting words from John's Gospel, from the 14th chapter. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and to all of us, and he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus says. Do not let them be afraid. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, a few selected verses. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come life. The resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But some will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Oh, you foolish one. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. But God gives it a body as he has chosen. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a physical body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Thanks be to God for his holy word. Let us pray. Lord, we ask you to give this family a sense of your holy presence. Strengthen them in this moment that they may see through human words a word from you. And may it touch their hearts and empower them to go forward from this day knowing full well that their loved one is in your good care and that so are they. Lord, we hear your words that resound down through the ages. Lo, I am with you always. And we know you meant that for good times and bad times and all times. Holy Spirit, come. For it's in your name and presence we pray. Amen. We gather here this morning to thank God for the life and witness of Barbara Hoffman Curtis and to offer words of comfort to her dear family and friends. 
Let me quickly affirm what you already know. Barbara was a good daughter and sister, a devoted wife of 52 years to Don. They were a great team, a loving mother to Donna and a loving mother-in-law to Billy. She was also an adoring grandmother to Abigail, Sarah, Curtis, and Will. And she was a faithful friend to so many of us gathered here. And most importantly, she was a dedicated follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Barbara was a person of great faith. Her daily routine began with a time of scripture reading and prayer. She was a student of the Bible and over the years participated in several different Bible studies. She and Don attended this church regularly and gave it their full support. From that foundation came a spirit of generosity, encouragement, and caring for others. Barbara knew something about caring and needing care. Over the years, she herself faced several bouts of illness, including a 50-year victory over cancer. But Barbara was not one to complain. And I remember her saying to me on one occasion, following a disciple Bible study time, I remember her saying that God had given her extra years of life and that she was determined to use those wisely. She did. She did. One of the earliest memories I have of Barbara took place very soon after I became the senior pastor here at Edenton Street. She and her friend Beth Norris were beginning a new ministry called Lay Shepherding. It was their hope that every family in the church would have someone from the church stay in touch with them. Barbara came seeking my support for the program which she received from me gladly and with a grateful heart. I was thinking about the Lay Shepherding program, which went on for over a decade and did so much for the life of this church. And I was thinking about a Fred Craddock story. He said there was a, a lady who came to his church and, and she went to all the meetings. She just never would join. And finally, one day he confronted her and said, why don't you join the church? And she said, well, preacher, it's been my observation that when you join the church, people kind of lose contact with you. I'd do better if I can just stay a prospect. <laughs> I think lay shepherding helped people feel like they were a prospect as well as a member. And I'm thankful for that program. And by the way, I've seen a few of you this morning with the little lamb tags uh, remembering Barbara. And I know she would love that. It was obvious to me in those days that, that she felt led by Christ to do this ministry. And friends, it was not an easy ministry. It took a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of organizational skill, and she gave it her all. Barbara was also involved with Mildred Dillon to support a ministry for high school girls called the King's Princesses. And through that ministry, so many young girls have been affected for good and for God. Even to this day, some of those young women remember that training as a foundational time for their Christian lives. And I would guess if I asked for a show of hands, there would be many of those here today. What a legacy. So many precious memories 
But I want to mention just one more, which I believe speaks volumes about the faith of Barbara Curtis. In 2006, I spoke with her about the possibility of being nominated as vice chair of the administrative board. Now, that's a bigger job than it might first sound. In this church, there's a progression system. You become chair, then vice chair, and then eventually lay leader. So it's a three-year commitment. Barbara's first reaction was, Roger, I don't think I can do that. Now, in all truth, I knew she was going to say that. She was a person who did not need or want the limelight. Her preference was to work behind the scenes and to let someone else get the recognition. I don't remember my exact words to her, but it was something to the effect, you can do this with the Lord's help and you are needed. Her response was, after a few moments of reflection, let me talk to Don and let me do some praying and I'll get back to you. A few days later, she accepted the job and went on to do all three jobs with great excellence. But you see, all of that, and it wasn't something she really felt comfortable doing, but all of that was grounded in her prayer life and in her willingness to do what God would have her to do. It seems to me that in everything Barbara did, inside and outside of the church, she did as a person of faith, always seeking and relying on the Lord's help. I have no doubt that Barbara faced this final illness confident that no matter when the end came, whether it was soon or late, heaven would be waiting for her. She believed this not because she thought she was good enough. Now, some of us may think she was good enough, but she would have never thought that. She believed those words of St. Paul, by grace are you saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, lest anyone should boast it is a gift from God. Barbara availed herself of that gift. She believed in Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior and committed her life to him. And as a part of that, she studied all of her life his word. In John eleven twenty five, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. I bet Barbara read that a hundred times at least and believed every word of it. Jesus said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you will be also. I bet she read that a hundred times and she believed every word of it. In Luke 23, when Jesus speaks to the thief on the cross, he gives us a glimpse of what heaven will be like. He says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. I bet she read that a hundred times and believed every word of it. In Thornton Wilder's play, Our Town, one of the characters says, everybody knows that something is eternal, and it ain't houses, and it ain't names, and it ain't even stars. Everybody knows in their bones that something is eternal, something that has to do with human beings. Norman Vincent Peale, that preacher of an earlier day, often used a wonderful analogy when speaking about the transition from this life to the next. 
He said, and I know Barbara would appreciate this, he said, a baby not yet born, still tucked under her mother's heart, might say to herself, this is a wonderful place. It's warm. I'm fed. I'm taken care of. I'm secure. This is a great world where I am now. I like it. And then someone might say to her, but you're not going to stay here. You have to move on. You're going to another world. The baby would protest, I don't want to leave. I understand it here, and I feel secure, and I want to stay. Now, what to us is birth, to her is death. But the day comes when the child moves into another world. What happens to her? She is cradled in loving arms. Soft hands hold her gently. A kind face looks down at her, and she loves that face. Heaven. Friends, we don't know a lot about it, but we just know Jesus said over and over again, if you follow me, if you put your trust in me, I've made a place for you in the Father's house. My dear brothers and sisters, there is so much more to life than these few years we live on this earth. There's a whole nother realm. Barbara knew that, and she has now claimed that promise. When her last breath came several evenings ago, I'm sure she heard the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of your Lord. Barbara will be greatly missed. But dear family and friends, rest in the knowledge that she is with her Lord in that house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. In the words of an old hymn, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Thanks be to God for the life and witness of Barbara Curtis. Amen.
As Roger said, Barbara was a great wife. She was a great mother. She was a great friend. But Barbara was born to be a Mimi. She loved Abigail and Sarah Curtis and Will fiercely. Every one of them knew that they were her favorite. Yesterday, they shared some memories with me. I want to share them with you just briefly this morning. First, from Will. Dear Mimi, I love you so much more than you can imagine. I prayed for you every single day. A spiritual discipline I'm confident he got from Barbara. You always made me smile when I was sad. You always comforted me. My favorite thing about you is that you always called the toilet the commode. <laughs> I love you so much, Will. I really loved how you loved UNC so much and how you would take me to all the games. I miss you, Mimi, and I love you. Now from Sarah Curtis. Mimi was one of the kindest people I knew. She cared so deeply about everyone around her, especially the Lord. I never once saw her get mad. Sometimes she'd try to get angry and just start laughing at herself. She was a beautiful woman inside and out. Her grace, kindness, and love will forever be missed, but never forgotten. I loved her so much. And now Abigail is going to come and share some Mimi memories. On March 6th, 2019, the skies finally cleared and the heavens opened their doors for my grandmother, the best woman I've ever known to walk this earth. To my Mimi, you were the best and coolest grandmother I could have ever asked for. Not many people can say they have a cool grandmother, but I'm proud to say that I do. You loved SC, Will, Mom, Dad, Bupa, me, and all those you encountered better than anyone I've ever seen. You made a point to connect with the people around you of all different ages and backgrounds. Just this week, I'm beginning to get a glimpse of all the people you touched, and I'm even more amazed by how you led your life. I will never know how many people you impacted, but I do know one thing. I am forever changed because you impacted my life. Everyone know, here knows my grandmother loved Jesus more than anything in the world. You have been through more trials than anyone should ever have to go through, but I admire your strength and how you never once wavered in your faith. You made your quiet time a priority, and every day for 45 minutes, you spent time with the Lord. You never missed a day. You helped guide the way for me as a Christian, brought me closer to him, and I will never be able to repay you for that. During your latest diagnosis, you were the strong one for all of us. You showed strength to all those around you and always reminded us, God's got this. Before Mimi was diagnosed, someone asked SC and me why we love Mimi so much. While there are endless things to name, we both said we love to tell her things that we don't want to tell our parents. <laughs> and she kept those secrets for us. Mimi was our refuge and our rock. Four years ago or so, I was probably the most mad I've ever been at my mom, and she was probably the most mad she's ever been at me. But all I wanted to do was be with Mimi. I begged and begged my mom to take me over to her house until she reluctantly agreed. 
While Mimi probably didn't want to be with my moody teenage self at that moment, she welcomed me in her house, loved on me, and made me smile. There was not a single person on this earth that she couldn't comfort or make smile. One of our favorite things to do with Mimi was bake. We always tried to be adventurous and out of the box, but most of the time we just returned to our favorites. Meringues, lemon bars, Oreo meringue pie, and of course our annual Christmas cookies. It was only the cakes with fondant that happened on adventurous days, but those were mostly fails. Many times the cleaning ladies had just cleaned your kitchen and you still allowed us to bake and make a mess in your kitchen. Let me tell you, Essie and I know how to make a mess in the kitchen. I will never forget playing chutes and ladders, card games, all our Disney trips, and our sleepovers. Essie, Will, and I always used to fight over who got to sleep with you. So as you did in every situation, you created peace. You figured out a rotation for us so that we were all able to sleep with you. And then every time, without a doubt, we woke up to pancakes with a side of powdered sugar and syrup. I will never forget all your selfless acts and the joy you brought me. I will always cherish these memories and so many other special moments we shared. I can picture your radiant laugh and smile greeting me at the door with a hug. I know you're watching down on all of us in heaven singing his praises. I am seriously the most blessed person to have you as my grandmother, and I am so thankful for all the ways you impacted me and guided me closer to the Lord. I never once saw you mad. I saw you handle everything that came at you with such grace and poise, and I hope one day I can be half the woman you were to me. You always wanted me to be happy. You even wanted a Duke win because you saw how much joy it brought me. <laughs> Mimi, like you did for many of us, you ignited the light of Jesus in my mom. She learned how to love him, praise him, and have him be the center of her house from you. And she always says that she is sorry that we don't have as good of a mom as she had. But I see Mimi and my mom, both caring, compassionate, loving, godly women, who I am forever thankful to have in my life. Mimi, you always wanted what other people wanted. You were truly the most selfless person I know. While I'm unsure why you had to leave us so soon, you always said, God's got this. Mimi, I love you so much, and I can't wait to see you again one day in heaven. Abigail, what an incredible, incredible witness and testimony. Thank you for sharing that with us. About 19 years ago, I started a practice of writing a letter instead of a funeral sermon. I found that it gave me the opportunity to convey my thoughts and your thoughts and really all of our emotions at a time like this in a really kind of creative vehicle. So what you're about to hear comes to you under the heading, an open letter to the one and only Often imitated, never duplicated, Barbara H. Hurtis. Dear Babs, so many memories, so little time. For some reason, when I think of you and our 30-year friendship, I can't help but think of a smorgasbord of music. I think of your love for the shining city on a hill, both the scriptural one and the one 27 miles to the west and my newfound love for Merritt's Grill after visiting you at UNC Hospital. And immediately I hear JT singing Carolina in my mind. I think of the picture in your living room of you and Don 
standing on the stage of the old Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, which used to house the Grand Old Opry. Guitars in hand, looking quite at home, although to hear Don tell it when the young boy in front of you heard you both singing pretty woefully off-key, he pointed at you and Don and told his mother, Mama, I don't think those people are singing the same song we are. <laughs> and I surely think of Frank Sinatra crooning three coins in a fountain, which in your case would be changed to three bottles of detergent in a fountain, which is exactly what you and your partner in crime, then and now, Amelia Harrison, put in the fountain at the legislature when you two were students at peace. You didn't know I knew that story, did you? I think, too, of how much your faith was anchored and buttressed by the music of the church and how your life was a living testimony to the great faithfulness of God that we sang about in our opening hymn and your ability in all things to echo the words of Horatio Spafford from our closing hymn, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. You leaned into those truths for an entire lifetime, Barbara, and my, oh my, how you taught us to do the very same thing. You were a teacher by training from your peace and UNCG days, then to Cherryville, then to Scotland County, but you were also anointed a teacher of truth, a gift given to you by God to share with so, so many people. Which is why there is a singular song that carries the day when it comes to who you are and what you meant to all of us gathered here today. The song that best does you justice is an instrumental entitled An American Symphony, the title song from one of my favorite movies, a blast from the past called Mr. Holland's Opus. Mr. Holland's Opus is a wonderful movie about a talented, dedicated music teacher named Glenn Holland. At the beginning of his career, Mr. Holland dreams of becoming a famous composer. He dreams of living in Hollywood, writing theme songs and scores for movies, but he never gets to do that. Instead, he spends his entire career working with young students at John F. Kennedy High School. With great tenderness, Mr. Holland works with a girl who wants to play the clarinet, with great compassion, he works with a student who wants to play the drums, but who has a terrible time finding the beat. Throughout the film, Mr. Holland helps student after student who comes his way. The conclusion of the film is classic. Mr. Holland retires, and as he cleans out his music room at the high school, he tells his wife and his son that he wonders if he's even made a difference. As the three of them get ready to walk out the doors of John F. Kennedy High School for the final time, Mr. Holland hears a noise in the auditorium. He opens the door and he sees the place jam-packed with his former students who give him a long, thunderous standing ovation. They've come to express their love and appreciation to this wonderful man who gave so much of who he was to all of them. 
After the applause dies down, the little girl he taught to play the clarinet walks to the microphone. She's all grown up now. In fact, she is the governor of the state. And to her former teacher, she speaks these words, Mr. Holland, we know that you never got to be the famous composer that you dreamed of being, but don't you see? Your greatest composition is what you did with us, your students. Mr. Holland, look around you. We are your magnum opus. We are your great work. As I look out across the faces in front of me today, Barbara, I see your magnum opus. I see Don, the great love of your life, who would be the first to admit that you were his rock and his inspiration. I see you're in Don's greatest composition, Donna, who cherished every single moment spent with you, as you two were, in the words of Aristotle, truly one soul dwelling in two bodies. I see your absolutely favorite son-in-law, Billy, the true apples of your eye, Abigail and Sarah Curtis and Will. I look into this endless sea of faces and I see people who are here because somehow, in some way, you made a difference in their life. You reminded us all through your kind and quiet deeds on our behalf, through your remarkable faithfulness to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that our great work, our magnum opus, is always about the family, friends, and strangers that we help along the way. And speaking as we were of music, there is a line in one of your favorite Christmas songs, O Holy Night, that reads like this, Long lay the world in sin and error pining till Christ appeared and the soul felt its worth. Let the record show, Barbara, that your anchoring in Christ propelled you and compelled you to make sure that folks knew how much they mattered to God, to make sure that they knew how much they were worth. It's why you taught so many Bible studies here, why you co-founded the King's Princesses for our high school girls, so that they would know that in a world that seeks to define them in so many ways, that their worth and our worth in Christ and to Christ is unassailable. That gift might be at the top of your copious list of gifts. Speaking to that very gift, one of my favorite paragraphs from the Presbyterian preacher John Ortberg goes like this. Every day, everyone you know faces life with eternity on the line. Life has a way of beating people down. Every life needs a cheering section. Every life needs a shoulder to lean on. Every life needs a hugger to wrap some arms around them. Every life needs to hear a voice saying, don't give up. The simple truth is that you were every one of those things to every one of us here. We knew you were our safe place, our touchstone, our confidant, our shoulder on which to lean, our personal cheering section when we were ready to walk away from it all. That, my dear Barbara, was part of your magic. Every one of us gathered here today knew you had our backs, 
even when you had to tell us a truth that we didn't want to hear. That was the great gift you gave to us all, the gift of a love that was unconditional. That love formed us in countless ways. It taught us to be wise, to be humble, to be less critical, to be more filled with grace. And that love prepared us as much as we could be prepared for this very day. It gave us wings, it gave us confidence, and it gives us the knowledge that you will always be with us because in love, we carry you right here in our hearts. We know that we will honor you best when we share the kind of love you shared with us, offering a shoulder on which to lean, a hug that lightens the load, a kind word that serves as a cup of cold water to someone dying of thirst. Your love was the defining characteristic of your life, B.C. At your bedside on Tuesday, I said to Donna, I know there will be 9,000 of them, but what is your favorite Mimi memory? Donna pondered and paused to gather herself for a moment and then said, every time I'd get anxious or worried or worked up or stressed out, Mom would gently point me back to Jesus. And that happened 9,000 times. She would gently point me to Jesus. It is the sum total of your life in seven words. Don says it. Donna says it. Billy and Abigail and S.C. and Will say it, as does a sanctuary full of people, Barbara, who know it to be true for them. Your great work was making sure we knew we mattered to God, whatever we'd done, wherever we'd been, to make sure our soul felt its worth. So today we say thank you, Barbara. Thank you for the words of counsel. Thank you for the shoulder on which to lean, for the hugs that always made life better. Promise us that in death, just as in life, you will keep whispering in our ears, don't give up. Know that we love you. Know that we miss you. And know that we look forward to that day when we will see you again, face to face, as we gather at the beautiful river that flows by the throne of God. With all our love, your family and your friends.
Let us pray. Almighty and holy God, we turn to you in gratitude this morning, thankful that you have welcomed your daughter Barbara into your heavenly community of faith, where she will be embraced by your love and filled with your peace. We turn to you now in our grief, and we know that we are not left alone. We know that you know our pain, that you feel our loss, that you dry our tears, and that you walk with us through this valley of sadness and of death. We believe, O oh God, that Barbara and all of us are held today in your arms of grace. And with that belief in mind, Almighty God, into your hands this morning we commend your daughter, Barbara Hoffman Curtis, in the sure and certain hope of resurrection to eternal life. We make our prayer this day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, the same Jesus who taught his disciples to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is hymn number 377. Let us stand as we sing together.
family will be receiving friends in the garden gallery outside those doors to your left following the service you were invited to join them there. Among all the many words Barbara loved from the scriptures, these words were near the top of the list from 1 Thessalonians 3.12, our benediction today. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father. Amen. been listening to a memorial service honoring the life of Barbara Curtis, co-founder and wife of Curtis Media Group founder and chairman Donald W. Curtis. This memorial originated from Edenton Street United Methodist Church in Raleigh. Memorial donations can be made to the UNC Lineberger Comprehensive Cancer Center or the Methodist Home for Children. 